Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Well, today is my birthday, and I am celebrating. I'm celebrating that I am still alive, that I want to be alive, that I have a good life, but that I'm free. That is what this day is for me this year. It's like this accomplishment that I am somehow in this place that I never could have imagined, absolutely would have refuted if I could go back and tell my younger self something, I would have laughed in my own face. I'm celebrating this month because this is not the way that it has always been for me. And my celebration, it feels like I'm like defying the old stuff, lifting my nose at it and giving it my best mean face, mad dogging it. You know, the old stuff is the stuff of my darkness, my internal self-disgust, my pain, the way I interpreted my life and how I made sense of me. You know, that old stuff is a thief, a liar. It was abusive and distorting, confusing. It made me feel like I was stuck in a nightmarish house of mirrors that reflected twisted images of myself I accepted as truth. You know, as as a therapist now, I know this was my inner critic, my internalized shadow self, cognitive distortions. You know, I know all of that, right? That it was my childhood wounds, my teenage assaults, my adult loss, all of it. It was like tangly, loud mess within me. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what you know intellectually. It doesn't matter how I can make sense of it or name it. Because all that work just happens in your head. It cannot be the only place that this type of work exists. You know, the work of healing, it needs more than that. More than thoughts, more than new info and intellectual attempts to fix things. Healing requires feelings and a host, meaning a body, somewhere for all of this to take place. So that the mind work can descend into the heart and live in the body. It's like this true integrated work of healing. It involves head, heart, and a home. You know, a lot of people break this down into a bunch of different spheres, but I just like it like this the best. It makes sense to me. I like the order of it, the simplicity and flow of it, the idea of the dissension of head into heart finding a home. And this is like what I like to try to do with most psychology principles is, you know, put them back into words we can use. Make sense out of it in a way so that others can use it. Uh, Put it into steps people can actually take. You know, take therapy off the couch and out into the world. Normalize all this stuff so that we can have access to ideas and stories that help us out of one way of living and into another. 
that's why I'm sharing this here with you. You know, sometimes we can hear ourselves in other people's words, make sense of our own story in the context of someone else's vulnerability. And I want that for you. I want that for everyone. So today we are going to go further into the wild place. If you haven't listened to episode 38, please go do that first. I think it would probably be helpful. If you've already listened, what we're doing is we're going to go deeper into what that place looks like, what the conversations within myself have been like, and maybe what it's like like a little bit further um, down that way during that journey or whatever. So two weeks ago, I finished up this 40-day thing, okay? I'm not even sure what to call it, <laughs> but it was a thing, and I did it. And it was for me, it's for my body, for my physical self, for my final frontier, the place that I call the wild place. I told you on episode 38 that I was finally going to listen to what a doctor had to say, <laughs> that I was finally going to let someone lead me in this place. And so, like a crazy fool, I agreed to let her treat my autoimmune disorders by looking at my diet. I'm, I, literally, I feel like disgusting and dumb even for saying that out loud. It makes me feel like petty or pretentious in some way. Like I care more about my diet than I do or I don't know. Um, but that's obviously a problem because apparently I actually do need to care a whole lot more about what I put in my body. Because when I got the results from my blood work back, they told me that they needed to redraw because my blood was so poor in nutrients, they weren't even able to use the sample because um, it wouldn't regrow. <laughs> so I felt like that was like bad, right? So I asked her, I said, so what would the cause of that be? And she said, you know, at least I have only seen this a couple other times in my over 20 year long career. And it's typically in people who are severely ill, like people who have been on chemo for cancer and they have no immunity. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. So you're saying that what I put into my body is actually affecting my body's ability to fight my autoimmune disorders. And she looked at me like, uh, did I stutter? <laughs> but you know, the thing is like, I just have been in so much denial about how these things are connected. I didn't want this to be the thing. <laughs> I don't know like how much more like clear I could have been. I just feel like, ugh, couldn't it have been something that doesn't require me to have to work for it. <laughs> like can't, can't they just like look inside me, do some test and then like remove or fix whatever's wrong? Like I didn't want, I, I didn't want it to be like things like food or diet. Oh, I, I don't know. I guess I want it to be more complex. I want it to be something that didn't feel so dumb and obvious and, and difficult. Something I was like absolutely not willing to like do or, <laughs> or work on. So for 40 days, right, she had me take out certain things for my diet, kept measuring my blood, my inflammation, pain, mood, energy, mental clarity, all the things. Also, did I tell you it was for 40 days? Because literally, I have never done anything for 40 days. I am an excellent starter, and I am horrible with follow through. I'm not, I've done like, I mean, I don't know if I've ever done anything for 40 days, 40 freaking days, and I felt so damn accomplished when I got to the end. Okay, but I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the end of the story. During my like 40 days of purgatory, I wrote some things down. Things I am realizing. Day three. I don't know how to differentiate between hunger and anxiety, hunger and boredom, hunger and loneliness. I feel like a child unable to comfort myself. 
like when they took away my blanket and I couldn't suck my thumb without it. Day five, after lunch. I can't believe the amount of energy I have after I eat. I usually feel lethargic and want to sleep. I feel motivated and clear-headed and full of energy. Hmm, maybe there is something to this? Around dinner, felt incredible, realizing that food is giving me energy and I don't feel sick after eating. Day seven, I feel sad. Sad because I actually feel so much better already. Sad that I felt so sick for so long and that I was doing this to myself, perpetuating my sickness, punishing myself in some way, I think. Neglecting feels more accurate. Neglecting what I didn't know how to care for, so just pretending it didn't exist. Day nine, sleep. I notice I am sleeping harder and dreaming less. Seems like I can fall asleep easier or faster. We will see how that plays out. Day 12. Considering my connection to comfort, loneliness, powerlessness, food, and sickness, seeing a connection I can't totally put words to yet, definitely feeling like something or some part of me is growing up inside of me. Day 16. I am not crashing in the afternoons. I feel motivated and actually able to complete the projects I'm working on instead of just staying in idea mode. Day 20. I have to make time to prepare food for myself, think ahead, make sure I have groceries, and take care of me too. I've never done this before. Day 23. Miracle of miracles, I want to eat vegetables. (laughs) Day 28. It's been almost a month. In shock, I've even made it this far, still mining this journey for deeper truths, feeling like I am living more in my body, as weird as that sounds. I have noticeably less pain, so maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But I am at less of a bird's eye perspective of my own life. Day 34. Feeling positive, proud of myself, confident, and like I am doing a good thing for me. Letting that good feeling be enough for today. Day 38. How will I maintain this when I am done? Where do I go from here? Feeling afraid and unsure. Wowzers. Okay, it is emotional um, to even look back and read this. I know it was just so recent. It, ugh, I don't know. It feels powerful, I guess, like to share this out loud since I tend to do my work in my own head and keep it there. I mean, this entire podcast, it sometimes feels like my own, like coming out in a way, like sharing my internal process in a way I never thought that I would. Sharing things about like my personal life and process or spiritual life and process that have just always been so deeply like internal. I guess there's just such a big difference for me between telling a story or sharing something finished. You know, even if my stories are big or dark or bad, it's just the right now stuff, the unfinished in process stuff that is so much harder to share, especially, especially given my profession right? A person who like air quotes is supposed to have it all together, be done, not need help, which I know is total BS. And it's like this stigma inside a stigma that therapists somehow stop being people or something, right? It is also like super counterintuitive to be the one sharing since I am usually like the recipient of such journeys. It feels strange. Um, It feels, um, what's the, I don't even know like the word I'm looking for, like intrusive, uh, indulgent. It's indulgent. It feels indulgent to be the one sharing. Um, 
but it also feels right, I guess, in some way, like to keep doing my work. I guess maybe also because I'm such a elite first person, it feels okay to be in real time in this process, to let this thing have a life of its own, to put words to it as it's happening here and now, as it's like this raw step-by-step thing rather than like a something I've like already figured out or concluded. So I'm going to put a couple things out here for us and then we'll dive back in. Is that there's this idea of like this, these, the spheres, right? Like head sphere, heart sphere, body sphere, head, heart, home. And I think what was happening for me is it's like, have you ever been to the gym? I don't know if you're a gym person or not, but been at the gym and you've seen the guys who are there and they like are super ripped up top. And then they have like these tiny little bird legs. (laughs) Like they, they spend all this time like grunting and lifting and like just decking out their upper body and then literally had like these tiny little twig legs. And I'm usually like, oh my God, like has no one told you how insanely out of balance you are? But it's like they figured out how to do like the big thing up on top, like the obvious place or something. And then like maybe wear baggy jeans or something. I don't know. But it's like that right there. That's what I have felt like in in my own version of that work. Like I had like done all this head work and done all this knowledge and done all this learning. Um, and then even had like let that descend into my heart, done all my feeling work, done all that inner child work, la 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 la, but had absolutely neglected and not done anything for the home, my body. Had let that be um, like atrophied. I was a hundred percent like the metaphorical version of that gym guy, and it's it's funny now because I think about that. I'm like, wow, that's how do you like get things done? Or isn't it like so obvious to everybody else that there's something so like clearly unfinished? But with these spheres, I want you to think about it like this: that as we as human beings work to make sense of our life or work to like be in process with ourselves sometimes we try to learn ourselves out of things sometimes we try to feel our way out of things and sometimes we try to like exercise or control our way out of things but that we can in an improper balance use those different spheres to kind of like army crawl our way forward And sometimes we can get so out of balance that we can really like make up for the other weaknesses or get make up for the places that we are neglecting. Um, And I think we can go a long distance in our life that way, using like intelligence as a defense for the things that we are unaware of how we feel, you know, or, or using our ability to be super feely, but super disconnected from the intellect and the work that we have yet to do in our learning. Or vice versa, how we can apply all of these things and make them purely physical when actually they are spiritual or actually they are emotional. But we've concentrated our work and, and have made ourselves like um, live out of uh, these spheres in, in maybe this imbalanced way. So what I'm wanting to like maybe like put into words for us today is this idea that there is a dissociative process, this like leaving a part of ourselves when we live out of a dominant sphere. So for me, I, I used to like evaporate out of my physical body. The thing with like, like a dissociative technique is that it's just like a mental neglect. It's like, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to go ahead and have that just absolutely not exist. Okay. When we experience, when I experienced trauma as a child, it was too much for me to stay present with it. So I would just like 
suck up into my head, hold my breath, um, play some like internal mind game, do anything I could to escape the reality of what my life was. Um, it's super common in children or in our childhoods to create ways or rules so that we can avoid the intensity of the feeling that's too big for us in the present. So it's in, it's incredible in children. It's one of my favorite things to do that type of work to find out like what were the magical beliefs we created to protect ourselves from the trauma. And we are so beautifully creative in that season. Um, counting steps, counting bites, eating food in a certain pattern or way. Um, counting is a big one. And it sounds like OCD, but it's not. It's like a way to exist on a topic other than the one that we're experiencing. Sometimes that's from a traumatic childhood or a chaotic childhood, actual abuse that's going on, um, or th- like our parents' divorce, things that are just too big for kids to know how to deal with. So they shift the energy from one thing they can't deal with to something they can deal with, um, get obsessive over certain ideas, toys, or topics. Um, and again, I think sometimes these things in children look like other disorders, but it's usually a dysregulation. It's something that is out of sorts, too big, and they can't control. So we find other ways to do that. Okay, so onward. Um, Because my physical body was something that was also being injured or being hurt or being used, I didn't want to live in it. Like I didn't want that to be the, it wasn't a safe place for me. It felt dangerous. I feel like when I would get hurt, um, that my body had betrayed me in some way. Like I had failed or like I was in the wrong spot at the wrong time, or it's because I was too loud or I was, I guess maybe the closest one, you know, to my dad sometimes, or it was just, it was too big. And so I began to like invent ways to like keep myself safe by using what I now know was like dissociation. The other thing I notice is like it's this idea of like mirrored neglect that as I felt my physical body was neglected in my childhood, I learned how to mirror that and neglect myself. I didn't know how to properly take care of my body because it wasn't ever properly cared for. Um, that compounds with sexual abuse, compounds with sexual assault and just really intense relationships as I got older. Um, my body continued to be a place of like, it felt like evil, bad and wrong. Okay. Stick with me, you guys. I know that this is like maybe uncomfortable. I don't know, but it's real. So I'm sharing it. Um, so I began to work out the other muscles of like, I'm going to go do that big emotional work. I'm going to go do that serious cerebral work. I'm going to, you know, all that stuff. And yet it didn't have a place to live. Like all that work that I was doing had, well, there was no safety for it. It wasn't rooted or grounded or anchored to anything. It was just still existing in like that floaty space above my head. Um, what that turned into, I think, was that I didn't understand even the different feelings or experiences my body was having. Like when I looked back on that journal and said, I don't know the difference between hunger and anxiety, hunger and boredom. It was like, yeah, I'm absolutely misinterpreting the feelings I'm having within my physical body because it's been a place that's been foreign to me. Um, then getting paralyzed and feeling like I literally can't feel my body really kind of feel psychosomatic when I look at it like a total split in half of one part of my body from the other part of my body is how I had really felt emotionally and spiritually and physically right um 
breaking my back, like getting pregnant, not being able to deliver the baby naturally, but having to have a C-section. It's like my body had always stored like these feelings of failure. Um, if you go through any radical type of grief or depression, uh, our body also stores the, that type of trauma as memory, different than our brain remembers it, especially if we're not doing the body work to process it, but we are only living and existing in that you know, mental or emotional place. The body often gets left behind as a last place we never consider in our work of healing. Okay, so total sidebar, but this is why... We hold our breath when we talk about something emotional, why we get that um, lump in our throat, that pit in our stomach, that heaviness in our shoulders. Like the body is so intricately connected to the work that we do in our emotional, spiritual, mental selves. Um, but we usually don't spend time doing that somatic sensory work. So that's kind of what we're going into today. Um, okay, so back to these spheres. Because that final like frontier was such a place of shame for me and it was so underdeveloped, it felt like infancy trying to go back to it, that I started trying to put words to it because I realized that while this is just my final frontier, there are your final frontiers as well, like places that you're not in balance with and maybe like describing it will click some things in a place for you as well. Um, maybe you have excellent self-control and like meal plan and whatever and all, you know, but want to develop your emotional vocabulary, want to be more aware of your emotional feelings so that you know the difference between feeling overwhelmed and tired, um, the difference between feeling vulnerable and exposed. Like there are so many nuances when it comes to learning how to integrate these different spheres and feel like we are fully alive in all of them and in that place of balance. Um, when I put out episode 38, I think I had the most feedback on that episode because I think people were one curious about like, how do you go from the amount of trauma you've experienced to being a therapist? And I'm not like saying that like to toot my horn or <laughs> whatever that is. Um, I'm okay to like stand on that piece now. Um, I have been through a lot of radical trauma and I am a therapist on this side of things. And the gap between there is the work I specialize in now, okay? So that's actually what I created my weekend events for, okay? So I'm going to give you a quick side note on that. This is the actual work we do on weekends. It's we spend three days together bringing you forward, unlocking your stuff and story so it doesn't stay stuck with you. We untangle it like together and then we recreate or create for the first time core beliefs that help you root and anchor you to your new work, okay? This is why I explain weekends as like at least a year's worth of therapy. It's more than that. We cover so much ground. We reclaim so much territory. Weekends are 100% my favorite thing I'm doing right now. Um, I know this is down, I'm down a rabbit hole, but that's okay. I actually released the dates for the 2019 weekends today, and you can register or reserve your spot on my website, um, backslash weekends I'm doing six weekends this year, five people per weekend. That's 30 spots. I'm just saying, okay, so um, I want everybody to go and check that out. I created this curriculum and experiences of weekends based on the most comprehensive and thorough way we could do the deep work in a way that feels light and complete. Like I, I want all of us to think that 
when we go to do the deep dark, it doesn't have to feel deep dark. Like there are ways to go back and walk down some of those roads or out further into the wild place without having it be like a haunted house. I think sometimes we like misconceptualize what the work of healing looks like because we feel like what we experienced was so tough and so dark and so murky and so twisty and whatever that that's what the work of healing feels like. That's not true. Like the work of healing is one, you already lived through all that shit. You're not, we're not going through it again. We go through it. Like you hear me say all the time, the spiral staircase, we might go walking back towards that stuff, but we are higher, more elevated. We're together. We have different perspective. We have wisdom as a result of doing this work. It never feels as dark as what you've already experienced. It will only and always feel better because you've already lived the worst of it. This is like the myth I want to debunk about what keeps people from making the appointment and showing up for therapy or what keeps people from going to weekends is they feel like, oh man, if I, if I pull on that thread, is the whole tapestry going to come undone? No, you guys, you already did the thing. You already lived through or survived that thing. Now we get to go back and like put it back into a more functional place. It's like getting adjusted at the chiropractor. Like that feels better. <laughs> like that's the whole point is that we should feel better better, more free, more able, more equipped. Okay. Um, I think like, okay. Yeah. There's like this idea that when we have the opportunity to have a paradigm shift like this, that all these things slide into place. Okay. So this is the other like guarantee that I want everybody to know when we come to work on our right now stuff or our Okay, when we come to work on our right now stuff, usually our childhoods get some healing as well or vice versa. When we do the historical work and all of a sudden our marriage is benefiting. This is one of my absolute favorite magical principles of therapy. The idea that since we are more than the sum total of our parts, the work we do on ourselves tends to multiply and extend to like all our different places. It is incredible. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I also, I had two phone calls this week. One, a person who I've worked with for years who called to catch me up on how she's doing. Also amazing phone call, the, the, the stuff of dreams, right? And we talked about like the disbelief almost of the goodness of how she would not have believed me if I would have told her all those years ago what her life would look like now. And you guys, we didn't even work on the right now stuff. We did the old stuff. And it like transported her to this incredible right now life. Her healing resolved more than her past. It also altered her present. And this is the coolest thing ever. The other phone call I got this week was from a right now person I work with and checking in. And this is her question, right? So things are going well. How long should I expect this to last? <laughs> I... I love it, right? Because I think sometimes we can be in disbelief that things are actually changing, getting better. And then once we do the work and have the change, then we get to adjust the way we do our lives to account for this change, okay? So it's like this for me. Now that I feel better, I can't live like a sick person. Now that I feel better, I can't live as a sick person. I don't need as much rest as I did before. I don't need as much coffee as I did before. I don't need as much alcohol as I needed before. I feel more settled, content, and free than ever. Like for the first time in my life, I feel like I have a whole adult voice and self with some like autonomy and power over my past. That final frontier was killing me, literally. 
and walking out into the wild place and like calling out the demons and things lurking in the corners was the radical challenge. I feel like I was like walking out of this big open space and being like, come out here, like show yourself. Confronting old thoughts, old feelings, old behaviors. I had to sift through like my mind numbing techniques all my subconscious habits, all of it. I had to tackle the wild place in order to allow the rest of my work to have a home. Like to do some leg days at the gym and not just curls if you're feeling me. I was out of whack and I I needed a place of leveling some things out, getting used to this new place and thing. I want to talk specifically about what that was. When because my injury was I can't trust other people, the healing was I need to trust somebody trustworthy to show me the way, okay? There was an inverse thing, the put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it property of I need to be able to allow the reclaiming of that brokenness to happen. So, because again, my sphere of injury was in the physical space. You need to think about what yours is, right? If it's in a mental place, emotional space or whatnot, spiritual place, wherever that is, then what is the injury? And then what is the inverse? Okay. Mine was physical. It was in my body. It had to do with like, um, me wanting to evaporate and then me wanting to stuff. Um, also I feel like this episode should just be called like sidebars, but Um, I am not saying that this is a cure for all autoimmune disorders. Um, I don't think that, like, that's not what this is, okay? (laughs) I am sharing that with this journey, there's a doctor who gave me some suggestions. Those suggestions brought direct immediate change. I am learning how to treat my body in a holistic way. And I'm seeing a relief of the symptoms of my autoimmune disorders, um, yeah, I don't know that I need to comment much more than that because it is what it is and I'm just going with it. It's the only thing that's really ever worked so far. So as she gave me these like different ideas and things to try, I had to also surrender, okay? So part of my injury was I am hurt alone. I will suffer alone. This is mine to bear. And I was like fiercely, like like um, almost like angrily protective of that space, so anytime that like my sweet, wonderful patient, patient husband would say, hey, Elise, maybe we should do this. I would be like, no, this is mine. Like it's, ugh, it's my thing to deal with or, or to own. I wouldn't let someone else into it. So again, this idea of surrendering was the reclaiming and the inverse of the injury that I am not alone. There are people that know how to help me through this and I can let others into this place. I can allow them to bear witness to my suffering And I can allow them to bear witness to my healing. And that is really what this process has been. As we dipped into me having to let someone lead me, surrender to the process and freaking follow through, um, what happened was all this other work started to unearth for me. So when she's like, hey, by the way, you're taking out dairy. And I'm like, okay, I want to die. This these other thoughts started to emerge. I would feel angsty. I would feel like, um, mad. I would feel like I didn't, I felt it was dysregulated, right? I didn't know how to comfort myself. So that led me back to my emotional work and mental work, right? Of like, well, what is this really about? 
Like, why do I want that thing so bad right now? Is this about dairy or is this about something else? Okay. So because I had already worked out my like upper body, mental, emotional strength, I knew how to ask myself those questions and do that work to strengthen that physical self to say, you know what, Elise, um, all of your vices and addictions and things that are in this space um, are actually because you're kind of a child in those places and don't know how to self-regulate, self-soothe, comfort yourself, take care of yourself, respect yourself, honor yourself in a way that like healthy adult grownups do. Ouch. Um, okay, that's all true. So I had to like confront these internal experiences. One of my favorite things to ask people when I'm working with them is how old does that make you feel? So when we're confronting something, it's like, how old does that make you feel? When I really wanted to eat grilled cheese every night, how old did I feel? Young, you guys, I felt young. I felt like seven. I wanted to like, but and at seven, I, we know what I felt like. I felt powerless. I felt like, I, there was nothing I could do, you know, but this. And so I found this way to comfort myself, which was just to stuff myself. So I was watching these other things emerge. Okay. So what I'm saying is like, when you start to do work on one sphere of your life, maybe it's your own wild place, your other spheres come into play because we need all of them to work in integration to start balancing out and evening out the work. What was unearthing me in these last 40 days um, were some places, like I talked about last week, like those versions of myself that I needed to pick up, like hitchhikers, that um, the wounded parts of myself that I had cut off. When I was being, you know, hurt and had no one to talk to and I left and went inside myself, I needed to pick that seven-year-old, six-year-old girl back up and say, hey, honey, you're like, you, you aren't doing this alone. You're Okay. Um, or it's not your fault or whatever it is that that young girl needed to hear. So when I realized that there was these pieces that needed some integration and they are all kind of started growing up within me, it became a lot easier to start taking care of my physical self. It became natural. It became, um, like I, when I said miracle of miracles, I like want to eat vegetables. Um, like that feels like blasphemy, (laughs) like, um, I would literally rather blend vegetables and drink them with my nose plugged. I hated vegetables. Like, again, like, oh, what do you know? A child. (laughs) So it's been a growing up um, these last 40 days. It's been a, like, reworking of my internal self. It's been a... um, It was drudgery and painful. It was beautiful and exposing deep things emerged, memories emerged, stuff, right? Like all the things that were lurking there because I was avoiding that sphere by not, by neglecting it. So if again, the opposite form of the neglect is to like see, hold, take care of um, them doing that inverse work. And that is what like these last 40 days have really been about. Something else that I think is that has been totally fascinating in regards to what has been emerging over the last 40 days is the idea of um, darkness and light, like the true two poles of like suffering, healing. Like I, I watched um, a couple themes emerge and one of them is that I feel as though I have always been able to make my bed in the depths, but the idea of like rising, like to this, like to the heavens has something that has eluded me. Let me say that another way is that 
this last 40 days, I feel like release within me this permission to be healthy, whole, and okay. Like I needed to use new words to define myself and new dominant feelings. I think as a creative, I've always loved the darkness and protected it in some way. I've harbored my pain as this thing that I could create from or know how to dwell in. I could like point at the wild place and say, see, that is what has made me me. Look at all that I've overcome. You know, I've, I use it as validation or proof of something. You know, and that's like all true. Like I have overcome more than my fair share, if that's even a thing. But like, but what else, right? Like if I only knew how to create out of the depths, then what would it be like to create out of beauty and wholeness, freedom, enjoy like what about that territory what about putting words and life in that place see this is the power of reclaiming me not limiting myself to one's fear of existence or or staking my claim only in broken places but opening up the ancient gates and wandering into these other types of territories things that are good uncomplicated gracious Right? Being able to freely traverse all the space within me and call it mine, all of it mine and all of it good. And then from there to get to tell some incredible stories, things you wouldn't even believe if I told you, like how a little girl drowning in a world of hurt, abuse and loneliness would one day get to lead people out of their own suffering that all the things that were against her would one day be the very thing she could stand on to shout the truth that there is good and healing and beauty because she had lived them both. That is what this is today. That little girls do grow up and get to shout their worth and everyone else's. That today um, I was born and I feel like that is a good day for the first time ever. So... Cheers to, to things going from dark to light, from light existing in places that have always and only ever been black, um, to enjoying a season without fear of the other shoe dropping, to staking claim in a place that I can exist in good without fear of the other. Why not, right? <laughs> Why not? Why not enjoy this season? Why not bask in the sun of this season without wondering when it's all going to end? So that is what this next new year is going to be, an anthem of joy, a daring to bask in the sun. This year is for the light. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited to get to have a season of that. So... My friend, if you were sitting here today with me in this trailer, um, I would want to know a million things. One, I just shared a whole bunch of stuff, so I'd be curious about what that drew up in you. I'd wonder what like parts of your story were touched, what memories came up, what um, rang true for you in this idea of spheres and living out of ourselves in an imbalanced way and this desire for an integrated whole approach to freedom. Um, I would wonder what is maybe even keeping you from doing this work, if there is anything. I would encourage you to remember that you've got just this one like beautiful life in front of you. If there are shadows that are keeping you from like moving forward, then 
dude, check them out. You owe it to yourself and even to the rest of your community. Like we all are better when you get to be fully you. So do that this year. Do it with me. Come to weekends. Come check out what is happening so that we can all move forward in a way that feels good and true and beautiful. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you are interested in beginning your own work in therapy or coaching, you can go to www.elisesnipes.com. Follow me on Instagram at Elise Snipes Collective, where I will be sharing more with you throughout the week. You can get in touch with me to suggest a topic for the show or to ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered. Or just say hi by emailing me at elise at elisesnipes.com. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends.